You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, my pronouns are she, her, and it is just really good to be with everyone here. Those of you who are here in person, we have some folks joining us on Zoom, and we are just glad that we, we get to do this together. Here at City Church, we hope to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. It's a big vision. Uh, and not one that we expect to accomplish perfectly, but one that we want to keep leaning into, growing, uh, just letting that vision pull us forward. And we get to do it here together. I can't believe it's November. That is just amazing, right? Um, I hope everyone had a great week behind them. I've heard all sorts of great stories about Halloween already, because here at City Church, we really lean into that. It's like, wow, it's a chance you get to be with your neighbors. Right, so I've heard some amazing stories of people connecting with their neighbors, stories of people just having friends over who otherwise wouldn't have a safe and a welcoming place to be. And these are all stories that we just celebrate. So if you haven't had a chance to share your amazing Halloween stories yet with someone, totally invite you to do that before you go home today, because it's so fun to hear how we are just loving well and being good neighbors. Um, here at City Church, we love our kids uh, and we just think they're amazing. So every week before we send them off to enjoy crafts and stories and games, today there's actually going to be an awesome and important safety drill. Uh, we like to pray over them. And so our friend and leader, Ming, is going to come and pray over our kids. Would you guys welcome up Ming with me? Thanks, Ming. Okay, I invite you to pray with me. Uh, Lord, I pray for all the children that are in this building, as well as those that are tuning in from home. I pray that your protection and your guidance would be over them and your blessing over them as they journey on their individual journeys through life, as well as just this week. Um, God, help us as a church to be open arms to them, um, arms of love, acceptance, and kindness. And I pray that today would just be a really blessed time for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ming. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to, kids, you may follow Miss Ming and the other adults out. I hope you have a great time practicing and thinking about safety. And I'm joined by my co pastor, Bill White, pronouns he, him. And I think Bill's going to invite another guest up. Andrew us. Nishimoto. You Come on down. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Andrew Nishimoto. So, um, some folks have heard a little where this comes. No, center stage, baby. Oh Come on, you're you're a big deal. You're, you're, you're important. Big time. Um, Andrew, how long have you been around uh, City Church of Long Beach? <clears throat> oh, that's a good question. Um, you actually prepped me for that question, John. I didn't think. I, I know. I know you. Uh, I think it was like five, four, four years probably. Four years now. It's been yeah. a minute. Yeah. It's been a minute. So, um, Andrew was Andrew and I were out taking a walk one day. We've got a community house for three families that are transitioning out of homelessness. Uh, to get permanent housing, and Andrew was heading up this nonprofit, and we were walking the neighborhood, and he's like, man, we really need a place to do job training for the folks who live in, in the City Church community house, and he looked at this boarded-up building, and what did you say? How about here? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> How about here? I was like, yeah, sure, and, and he was like, let's make this a coffee shop, and so Wrigley Coffee, we're all repping our gear. We're, we're all repping our Wrigley Coffee gear. <laughs> Perfect. 
um, that's when Wrigley Coffee came into existence, and the nonprofit that Andrew led um, started it and has been running it and has been training folks who live in our community house. Andrew has since transitioned out, and the into he does nonprofit coaching now. But the nonprofit that he was part of decided, like, hey, this doesn't fit our vision as much anymore. City Church, would you like a coffee shop? <laughs> <laughs> And we said, <laughs> <laughs> we said, we'll ask our board <laughs> and our board did a ton of work. And what happened on Wednesday? Yeah, as of Wednesday, uh, all the employees that are at Wrigley Coffee are now technically City Church employees. Um, We've tripled our, our payroll. We're, we're like a big church now. Okay, that word technically was important. We're going there. The, the idea is not for us to like get in the coffee business. Andrew actually under, understands coffee and knows how to lead organizations. So he's leading Wrigley Coffee to become its own nonprofit. Right? But it just needs some sponsorship for about six months. So... Yeah, when I came, when I when Bill and I had these conversations, and then with the board and committees on the board, I said I would love to come back, but I need a partner in it. And City Church has been a great partner, even unofficially from the beginning. Um, Charmaine just left, but she was the first social media manager of Rick and Coffee. Yes. I don't know if you know that. Yes, she, she stepped was. in, volunteered, and like got us our first like thousand followers. Um, yes. And so there's been consistent support for yeah. it and what we do at the house. Um, and at the shop, and so, so, so yeah. What what is your vision for Wrigley Coffee? Yeah, so Wrigley Coffee, as most of you probably have heard, you know, it's a workforce development social enterprise where we get people that have come from all sorts of backgrounds that maybe have some barriers to employment. We give them trauma informed training uh, to work uh, successfully in, in any workplace, any service industry. They work with us for about 90 days and then we find them a permanent home either at Wrigley, which we've hired several of our participants because they've been awesome, uh, or with one of our partners um, and then continue to do that. And that's what our hope is moving forward. So you get them jobs. Get them jobs, yeah. How awesome is that? It's is that not awesome. amazing? Um, so yeah, yeah. So what do you want us to know about Wrigley Coffee? This is where you do your big pitch. Oh, okay, I'm split. Bill told me. This is where you throw up that phone number, Joe. This is gonna be an incredible moment right here. Yes. Yeah, so as any of you know, starting new things. Um... We're highly, we're very technically and organized and everything. So yes, this is my phone number, my cell phone number. If you right here. Um, so as a new nonprofit, we started with zero dollars in the bank. Um, and it costs money to run a coffee shop to pay our employees. Obviously, there's revenue as well. But we are doing a lot of programming and training around it. Um, and so our goal is to raise $100,000 by the end of this year, um, in order to continually expand the impact that we're having. Um, and so we've already had a lot of partnership with people coming to us and saying, yes, we want to jump in on this. Um, we actually had, uh, and this is where you all come in, we had a family foundation that said, you know what, we want to help you jumpstart this. So for every monthly giver you get between now and the end of the year, we will contribute $500 uh, to your fund um, through the end of the year. So if one of you signs up uh, and gives $25 a month, they're going to throw in an extra $500, up to $25,000. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. So, um, so yeah, so that's my phone number. And the reason why it's up there is not because um, we we're not to, giving Andrew money. Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, but if you text me and you could just write your name and City Church, just so I know who it's coming from, I'll send you back a link, and that will be to our donation page. 
page. Um, and you can make a one-time donation or you can become a monthly donor. Um, obviously, because we wanna do this for a long time, monthly donorship is great um, for that because we wanna not just do what we're doing yeah. now, but really the future is to bring a trauma-informed workplace to starting in Wrigley, all the small business owners in Wrigley, um, and then beyond to continue to right. find uh, options for the people that we work with. So, so yeah, if you don't want to text me because like not everyone wants to text me or give me your number, um, you can go to WrigleyCoffee.org slash donate and, and you can give there as well. Yeah, we just thought it was, since the family fund was was new this week and we just took ownership on Wednesday, this is the fastest way to get you the information if you want to become a monthly donor. So please do be generous. Yeah, we love yeah. it. Love Thank it. you, Andrew Nishimoto. Yeah. Thank you all. Woo. <laughs> How fun is that? Woo. We are so grateful for Andrew um, because, yeah, you do not want Bill and Brenna running a coffee shop. You do not want Bill running a coffee shop. Brenna I, would be fine. Uh, so, so grateful for his expertise. And this is so fun for us, right? The reality is um, we are a small, smallish kind of church, right? And in a lot of ways, we love that. We love that we can do so many amazing things without being huge. Um, but it's all about people like Andrew and organizations like Wrigley Coffee that we just get the privilege of saying like, can we just come alongside and help? We don't need to own it, right? This, this ownership period is gonna be very, very small. It's for six months or so while we get the paperwork done, uh, but we just get to come alongside and participate and partner and it's just a beautiful thing. So we love it. Yep. Yay. Okay, so shifting modes. Yeah, well, what are we just doing Just a now? little bit, just a little bit. Well, now um, I think we're going to talk about like the Bible and stuff. Mm. Yeah, like, you know, as we often do on a Sunday morning. That's right. That's um, what we do now. Because we've been in this series, right? We're, we're until we shift into Christmas season, which amazingly is around the corner now. We are in a journey through the book of Hebrews, uh, which we are because there's no real evidence saying not and actually some evidence saying it's very possible we're imagining it was written by a female author so we're in a journey through the book of hebrews and really just asking some questions about what does it mean to have a more human spirituality not a spirituality that's like kind of like way up there and i don't know just kind of wispy and other and you know maybe you you absolutely have i mean i'm not going to knock this I sometimes light candles when I pray too, right? I sometimes have nice smells around me when I pray, but to say it doesn't have to be, right? What does spirituality look like um, just in, a, in our everyday, in our very fleshly embodied, gritty kind of selves? So uh, as I was thinking about the passage that we're looking at today, um, I was reminded of something that happened just, just in the last week or so. I was having a really busy day as, parent slash pastor you know which one is like at the forefront of my life kind of varies at any given moment um but so busy parent slash pastor sort of day and i had had a chance to slip out um and just take like a 15 20 minute walk and just breathe which is actually really nice because it was a friday afternoon and i was like it's friday afternoon i should be able to like take a few breaths right so i got out for my little 15 minute walk and I came back and the kids who I'd expected to all be just kind of calmly doing some stuff I'd set them up with. Um, well, one of them opened the door for me. It's an eight year old just in tears, just sobbing because their throat hurt so badly. And so all of a sudden, you know, like the already sort of like busy, ambitious sort of plans I'd had for the evening where husband was going to be stuck late at work, whatever, I had to shift because I had a child to take to urgent care. 
And so we did that, right? And, and got through it. And I'm so grateful for the 16 year old who could help out with things and whatever. Uh, you made dinner, yes. Full credit, full credit for that. Yeah, I had 90% of it prepped, but they were amazing. <laughs> that last 10% was key. Um, <laughs> it really was. So I'm coming back and we're driving and I've got like the medication in the bag because it's strep throat and yada yada. And, um, and I just have this flash and I'm like, kiddo, this is really important talking to the child who's no longer crying and we've gotten them the help they need, but this is really important. I need you to know that if you wake up in the middle of the night and your throat is hurting and you need mom or dad, their bedrooms are kind of up some stairs and we're downstairs, you can come get us. You can absolutely, don't even worry about it. Don't stop and think. You come get us if you need us in the middle of the night because I know the strep throat really hurts. And in some ways you might think like this is like unnecessary, right? But the flash that I had in that moment, and chances are I've had this same conversation with my other kids over the years and I just don't remember anymore because there are a lot of them. Um, <laughs> but that flash in that moment was this visceral remembering these times when I was a kid. And I don't know why, and I know my parents wouldn't have wanted this, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night not feeling well, you know, having a sore throat or feeling like I was about to throw up or, you know, whatever it was. And feeling like I shouldn't go get my parents, right? That it was the middle of the night and I didn't want to bother them. And, and what if they were mad at me? And, and so I have these memories of just lying there in my bed, feeling horrible and alone, but I shouldn't go get my parents. And I didn't want my kid to feel that, right? Just like I'm sure my parents didn't want me to feel that. They didn't know back in the day, but so that I needed to tell my kid, you can come get us. Don't even think about it. Come get us if you need us in the middle of the night. And I was thinking about that, thinking about this passage this morning, because we do that, I think, a lot in our spiritual lives. Sometimes in our worst moments, where we're like, oh God, I really, really need you. I feel so alone. I feel so messy. I feel so lost. I feel so confused. It feels like, but God is down in that room, down the dark hallway, and we're not sure we're allowed to go knock, right? And if we do and we knock, like, is he gonna be mad? Is God gonna be angry? Will they be angry as they open up the door? What kind? of reception will we receive? And it just feels scary. And what if we need to know that God is actually the parent saying, no, I know sometimes you are gonna have a moment and it's not gonna feel like a good moment. It's not gonna feel like a convenient moment, but that's what I'm here for. Those are the moments I most want to scoop you up and hold you close. How do we believe that? How do we start to lean into that? How do we have confidence to go and knock on the door and say, God, I'm here. I want you. I need you.
So the passage that we're looking at this morning is probably going to sound pretty religious, and it is. There's a lot of cultural, religious language and background, and Bill's going to do some work to help us understand some of that imagery. What I want to give you as we listen to it this first time is that at the heart of it, what it's saying is, no, you come get me anytime you need me. That is what I'm here for. So our friend Ali is going to come and read scripture for us this morning. Here he is. Would you welcome him up? Thanks so much. And we often stand. Uh, Scripture's read. You don't have to, but if you'd like, you may stand. All right. From Hebrews 10. Therefore, siblings, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going we're gonna to nerd out just for a minute. All right, we're just we're going to go a little heavy nerd here. But the, again, but the idea is how do we have a spirituality that actually works for real people like us, okay? So the author, she's using all this very religious language. She's Jewish and she's using pictures from her faith that are trying to capture how awesome God is and what it's like to get access to God. All right, so she starts off and she writes, Therefore, siblings, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So the most holy place, this is a reference to an actual building. Okay, this is the temple. This is a modern day um, kind of reconstruction of the temple. And notice the different courts and and that you would kind of enter in through the courts of Gentiles, through the court of women, into the court of Israel, and then only like the, the priests could go into the holy place, and then only once a year could the high priest go into the most holy place, right? And so it's this picture of like, wow, you're getting closer and closer to God, right? And so that's what she's saying here. If you want to bump back up to that, that verse, um, therefore, siblings, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Like in her imagination, like this is as good as it gets, like the holiest of holy places, right? Right where God, you can feel it's a thin place where you feel God. And you get there by the blood of Jesus. And there are a couple of images that are, are coming here. One is of the sacrificial system that you would sacrifice an animal as kind of a picture of your, your sorrow and, and need for forgiveness and things like that. There's also a picture here that, that she's drawing into and she's been drawing for the previous 10 chapters of this book is that Jesus is the human one. Jesus' blood was red just like yours and mine. And so now the most holy place isn't just in a building. It's that place, wherever it is, of connection with God. And it's not simply a sacrifice, but it's the fact that God became human that now dignifies us and lets us know we 
have access. So if you press on the, the next piece of the, the reading for today from verse, you know, the, the following words are, so now by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Again, it's talking about getting access to God. There's, there's a giant curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place, right? And once a year, that high priest could enter through that curtain. And that's, it's this picture of like, like those moments. <gasps> you know, you're like with God. <gasps> Maybe you've had a couple of those in your life. That's what, <laughs> that's what she's... That's what she's trying to articulate here. Mm -hmm. And again, notice that it's through the body of Jesus, this, this embodied God, the God in the flesh. It's because God gets us that now our bodies, our lives, can become the site of this holy connection mm -hmm. where, where we and God, we, we, can, we can sync up. Because she's not talking about everyone going on a field trip to the, to the temple in Jerusalem. That's not what she's talking about. She's talking about those moments when, when our lives and a connection with God, we feel like, bam, right there, synced up. So then the, the verse goes on and says, and since uh, we have a great priest over the house of God, Again, she's using the religious language, right? She's talking about the high priest and the house of God and all these images, which for her were like these wonderfully intimate places of connection with God. Like this is how you connect. So we get to translate that into to our lives. And we talked about the great high priest last week. Uh, that sermon's online if you want to hear it. But where, where Brenna in particular highlighted Jesus' gentleness. Mm. Not a high priest who powers up, who threatens, who shames, but one who understands our weaknesses. Again, this very human-centered, like God says, I see you. You like, you know, folks like us. So I got to thinking about this and all this nerdy stuff and how this author, she's, she's trying to She's really trying to help normal people have a deeper connection with God. And I was, I was thinking, I got on this, and maybe it was a sidetrack, I don't know, you tell me later. But I got on this line of thinking about where have I entered the most holy place? Mm -hmm. Where have them, there been those moments of like, man, this is it. Like, I, I'm, I'm all synced up with God. And for some of us, that's, you know, that spot in nature or it's a sunset hour or wherever it is, it's that, which is great. But for me, that's not what came to mind. What came to mind was a dinner. And my family and I, we were taking the, the trip of a lifetime. And that was this past summer. And we're out at this fancy restaurant. My in-laws paid, so we got hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> kids got drinks. We got dessert. It was like a party. And we're telling stories, we're laughing, we're eating food we've never eaten before in our lives. It's so fun. And then at one point, my daughter, uh, she says, she asks this question, she says, so mom and dad, uh, 
Have there been some moments where you thought your relationship wasn't going to make it? And how did you get through those? Mm. I mean, this is a sacred moment, right? And so Katie and I kind of look at each other. It's not for those yeah, who I'm are not new. Katie. <laughs> Anybody newer? <laughs> Brenda's great. But she's not my wife. No. Uh, Katie, I think, is out back taking a phone call right now. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I look at Katie, and she looks at me, and we're like, let's do it. You know, our kids are 22 and 24. They should know. So we bring them in on the two or three worst fights, terriblest seasons, and what was really going on, and how to this day some of those issues haunt us. And, but it was this intimate, sacred, joyful, sorrowful, blessed space. It was, it was the most holy place. And I just sensed God's favor was just resting on us. I mean, later that night we're lying in bed. I'm like, can you believe what a meal that was? Mm. And the connections with our kids and being able to be our authentic selves, like really like, hey, this is our adult self. Now you're, you're getting really, you're getting the real, the realest us. And I think that's what this author is saying. It's going to look different for each one of you. But there are these sacred spaces, sacred times, conversations, where you know, like, okay, it's, it's, it's matching up. Heaven and earth are, are coming into sync. And, hmm. and she's saying, we're invited into a relationship with God that has those moments. Hmm. It's such a beautiful picture. And one of the things it brings up for me, and I know I mention this every once in a while, but it just, it feels big. So I want to keep mentioning it. Is that again, when, when many of us hear this word holy, it has certain overtones for us, like holier than thou, right? So the idea that we're going to connect with God in the holy place. Well, that could feel kind of intimidating. You know, others of us have been taught over the years, like holiness is about being set apart. It's about being special and pure, right? And yet what Bill is describing as a holy moment, and what I think often many of us, if we think, if we ask ourselves that same question that he's asking, where have the holy places, holy moments been in our lives, that, that place where we just are aware of how we are connected to God, connected to beauty, connected to something so much larger than ourselves, connected in love. It's not moments where we're feeling holier than thou, right? It's not moments where we're feeling all set apart and special. That holiness is actually about connection. Holiness is about finding ourselves in the bigger picture, finding ourselves in this greater web of relationships and a web that is being restored and made new. It's such a different picture. And so for me now, when I hear the word holiness, I think of wholeness, of being made whole in this great web of relationships. And so I just love that picture, this kind of 
just sitting at a table, how that can be such um, a picture of that. Now, I do find myself having some questions, though, Bill, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you some questions. It just occurred to me right now. Because you and Katie, you are very intentional parents, and just in a lot of areas in your life. You have lots of regular practices. So this dinner that you had with your kids um, was part of a larger special vacation that you were taking. Um, that was probably not like the first time you'd had some connections with your kids in a while, right? No. No. Okay. So we had a, we had a yeah. set of questions for the vacation. <laughs> that wasn't one of them. Right, right, right. No, but so you, in that vacation, yes, you'd had some intentional connection times because you come into that intentionally. But before you ever like went on vacation. Oh, yeah. Right. Like in the months prior, had it been like, eh, I could talk to my kids today, but I'm going to see them in a couple months. I can, I can hold up, you know, like, well, we'll connect in a couple months. Or would you say, do you have some regular practices yes, with your do. kids? Like in an average week with two adult children who are out of the house, and they're both very different kids, so I imagine the practices are different. Um, but like, how often in a given week might you exchange a phone call with a child? Um, between me and Katie, we've, I mean, this is just us, so yeah. but we probably talk to Karis three times a week and Timothy probably four or five times a week. Yeah. And how many text messages might a you exchange? Lot. A lot. Particularly for one of them and about, less. Around, around money and, and <laughs> paying for graduate school is very, sure, reg sure. very regular. So but some the other of these one? are, some of these are practical yes. exchanges. Um, it just occurs to me that when we think about how we connect with God, how we connect with anyone we love, but it's so, it's often so helpful to like think about our actual kind of physical enfleshed relationships to help us think about how we connect with God, who we don't experience in quite as an enfleshed sort of way that this really beautiful special moment that you had was set in the context of a larger relationship that has some smaller, more regular kind of connection points. Would you say that's true? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, like I think my husband and I, um, just as another example, right? We have a weekly date night pattern, and most of the time, that's about as fancy as getting our kids to bed a touch early, and we, you know, make our own dinner that we don't have to get up and feed anybody else. And we, so we call it kitchen table date night. Every once in a while we get out of the house, it's happening a little bit more as the kids get older. Um, but a lot of times our regular weekly date night is kitchen table date night. And it's awesome actually, to be able to sit and just have uninterrupted conversation. And we ask each other questions and just relax with each other. Um, <clears throat> if all we had with, was that, right? If like during the week, it was just kind of like, hi, bye, see you later you know, no, I, and, and some weeks get busy, but just take even 10 minutes at the end of a day, right? And like, okay, what, what happened in your day? And what happened in your day? And let's coordinate a little. And hey, you know, we might be tired, busy working parents, but we do love each other. And, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Like we can't just wait for Saturday to roll along, right? We have these micro practices, smaller practices of just, just reminding each other, I see you, I care, connect a little bit, you're not alone. Um, and so sometimes I think 
we can feel that way in our spiritual lives. We can get so focused on the bigger moments, right? Of just kind of like, oh, like what does it even look like to pray, for instance, unless I've got 30 minutes. Now, I don't know what I'll do with that 30 minutes, right? Actually, that sounds a little scary to some of us, the idea of trying to pray for 30 minutes. But, you know, that's what we were taught growing up, or at least 15 minutes, right? You have to have a solid 15 minutes for your daily quiet time. Anybody get taught that growing up? Yeah, the daily quiet time? Okay. And so if we can't do that, even though, again, we're kind of like, ah, 15 minutes, what will I do with that? Um, that we feel like there's just no point. And yet we wouldn't do that in our regular relationships. We would send the text message just to say, you're on my mind. I thought of you and I wanted to tell you this story. Hey, I was wondering how this went. We would send the text message. We would have the 10 minute connection before we both crash in exhaustion at the end of the day, right? We, we would make those little, we would just take the time because that's how relationships grow in the everyday. Um, and so there, sure, there are the big practices, right? It's showing, you know, the bigger things are maybe that you do come on a Sunday and they matter, just like kitchen table date night matters. It's, it's healthy for our relationship to make that weekly rhythm. Um, and they, church is not coming, church physically is not the only type of rhythm people practice. Some people practice like journaling. Maybe there's a special morning that you go get a great cup of coffee and sit in this particular bench in this particular park and journal. That could be a, kind of one of those bigger practices. Um, taking a beautiful walk once a week, thinking about life. But there is something to saying like, what can I do on the daily? on the regular, just those small moments. Like I would say in our family, you know, the, the daily prayer before a meal, which is exactly this fancy, this is what we do as we sit down to a meal with our kids or on our own, we look at our food, breathe it in, smile and say, thanks God. That's a micro practice, <laughs> right? That's about as small as it gets, but just that moment to check in and say, I'm thankful there are good things in my life, even if it's just sitting down to a meal of leftovers, right? This is still a good thing. Um, one that we want to practice today, um, because how can you talk about connecting with God and not just say, Let, let's actually try it and let's try it in a very non-fancy kind of way. I mean, we are going to, Ian's going to come up, I think right now, as I kind of give the lead in here and um, you know, so there's going to be some music in the background, but you can do this without music in the background. So it's pretty easy to play it on your, your phone or whatever, too. Um, you can do it without the walk that actually this is often great for. I call this uh, walk the block praying because this is the type of thing that I do sometimes of saying, like, I've got five minutes and my soul is a jumble and I feel a little disconnected from God, a little disconnected from the bigger things. And so I could take five minutes and every stage of walking this block, just allow myself to have a different focus. And I'm not gonna do it perfectly. A fire engine's gonna go by. It might happen while we're here this morning, right? A fire engine may go by. And the moment of just trying to allow my soul to settle and connect with God is not gonna be spoiled. My mind may wander to thinking about, have I prepped dinner? And the moment will not be spoiled because God knows who I am. God was flesh and blood, just like me. And so I'm gonna invite you guys, I'm gonna lead us through. You can 
You can get up and move around if you want to, um, whether it's like pacing a little at the back or just even stretching, rocking back and forth, whatever would help you feel like, man, I can, I can connect a little right now. You can sit where you're at. You can slide over a few seats if you'd like a little bit more space, but we're just gonna take like four minutes, a minute for each, each phase of walking around the block to just have a little high God kind of moment. And I'm gonna give you a few things to focus on. You might wanna shut your eyes, especially in a, a room with other people. Maybe that would help you focus just a little bit. Um, this does not have to be fancy. Don't have any big expectations, right? It's just a moment to spend with God. So as we start this little walk around the block prayer, the first thing that we're gonna allow ourselves to do is connect with the idea that God calls us beloved. God calls you beloved. What do you feel in your body as you sit with those words? How does your breath feel? How do your shoulders feel? How does your belly feel? God calls you beloved. Let us draw near to God. invitation to draw near to God, this God of love who is never more than a breath away, is actually right there waiting for us to remember. It's an invitation to come with a sincere heart, which means we don't have to fake anything. So the second step in this walk around the block, what's going on in your heart? How are you feeling right now? What are the emotions? You can actually be honest. You can tell God that you're pissed off if you want to. You can tell God that you're worried or scared or lonely. You can tell God if you're grateful. You get to be honest as you come to God this morning. Our third step in the walk around the block is just to look over the last day or the last week and ask God to show us where God was. Because God cares about our daily lives, our embodied and fleshed lives. So we think about 
how we've been spending our time and who we've been spending it with, what we've been experiencing, wondering. And we ask God to just show us where God's been moving in all of that. Maybe we didn't notice. God, where are you? Where have you been? Our last movement is going to be around the word yes. God, is there some place you are inviting me to say yes? Yes to how you're working. Yes to how you're growing me. Yes to how you're moving to restore the world in these spaces around me. I don't know if I'm ready to say yes, but I'm open to the question. God, where are you inviting me to say yes? Thanks, God. You love us. We're learning to live in trust. Amen. Thank you for, thank you, Ian, for playing, and thank you all for just taking a few minutes. I mean, it really was just a few minutes. And like I said, I often do this moving and noticing what's around me as I go, it's just a few minutes to breathe, let my soul settle, and remember that God, God is there. We want to uh, invite one of our friends up to talk a little bit about what this area of prayer and connection with God has looked like for her. Um, yeah, just because she's just a thoughtful and wonderful and real individual. So would you welcome up our friend, Emma Roy, um, who, yeah, she's amazing. She is also, she's part of our board. I'm gonna have her come stand in the middle here. And she is this amazing person who somehow marries like a deep love of spreadsheets <laughs> with like a deep love of things like poetry. I mean, it's kind of, you. wow, that's, that's not common. I would say. Now you got a large bandwidth. Um, so yeah, so Emma, first just tell us a little bit, like how long have you been around City Church and you know, all uh, that stuff. I think I first came in the fall of 2017. Yeah, yeah. so kind of a while now. Yeah, it's like years six now. years, yeah. something yeah, yeah. like that. So you're an old timer and <laughs> I mean, you help with the kids uh -huh. as well as doing the treasurer uh -huh. thing on our board and yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been. What brought you to City Church? Oh, a good friend. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, as many of you know, and so uh, I I had some friends who were coming to this church who I, mm -hmm. I was in another small group with, and uh, one of my friends said, I think you'd really like City Church, and I was like, oh, they're a bit evangelical for me. <laughs> Which, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I think you're pretty wrong, <laughs> and you're gonna like it. And I was like, I'm still not gonna go. And he's like, We're going on Sunday, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so we came together, and uh -huh. uh, it was my first Sunday, and that was in 2017. <laughs> but so he was right, and I was wrong. Oh, it's very, you know, humble of you to be able to admit it, right? <laughs> and we're not telling you you should invite your friends like that, but, you know, at your own discretion, I guess, like yeah. sometimes friends know what they're doing yeah. when they when they do that. Um, okay, so thinking about some of this, like, I, I mean, I loved when Bill told me that question that he was thinking about of like trying to picture what is the holy of holies for me? What is the most holy place? Where do I connect with God? Um, I wonder, did that resonate with you at all? Like, does that bring up any memories or images or? Yeah, like I mean, I guess um, the main thing is, again, because I didn't grow up praying or having faith in God or anything like that. The, the first connection that I feel mm -hmm. like I had with God, I was 20 and I was like getting into meditation and being 20 and confused and embarrassed about life as I still often feel. Um, <laughs> and a friend of mine recommended that I try praying, but I'd never even like heard anyone pray before. So mm -hmm. I didn't have a context for how that went. And I was just sort of like, whatever. Um, but then I was feeling just sort of desperate at one point, like, in pain about different things that had happened in life. And I had a very like warm, loving growing up experience, mm -hmm. but just felt a lot of pain from being alive. And I'm like, what does that even then mean about what's going on here? That like, I have a good situation and right. it feels bad. Right. <laughs> like a, a lot of people have much more challenging situations. It's like, what is this? And, mm -hmm. um, that we're all doing here. And I just remember feeling so um, confused and like what, and that feeling so intense, like, what is this? And please help. Mm. Um, and I didn't get any answers to my question, <laughs> but I got a connection that the feeling that I had in that moment mm was you are very loved mm. Wow! is that you are seen and exactly how you are in this moment and you are very loved and so wow. there wasn't a feeling of here's all of the answers but that it's all happening in this context of you are very loved mm. and so that's still the connection that i come back to that's beautiful so that was your first prayer experience was like yes. just in desperation yes <laughs> not knowing what to say but just i'm reaching out to whoever's out there and the feeling was of embrace yes yeah that's amazing that's so with that being sort of like 
I don't know, it's like the standard, but it's sort of like, like this is how good it can be. Mm. How does your everyday prayer life now, like play into that? Like how often do you have those moments? How, how do you practice? Um, I mean, I guess I really related to what you, when you were talking and, and the, um, about how, how you have a lot of small conversations. So then occasionally you have deeper conversations. Uh -huh. Um, and it's not like I have an, a sort of running commentary <laughs> with God in my in my mind, but I have felt like over the years have really worked to cultivate that connection mm -hmm. in small ways and then in larger ways. And so it's not like I would say now in my life, it's not hard to access if I remember to reach out. <laughs> right. Like it's not. Um, yeah, it's not a challenge to to have mm -hmm. some sort of feeling of that belovedness mm -hmm. if um, if I'm not just freaked out about my to do list or or other things. As right. as long as I turn towards God, mm -hmm. God is right there. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just curious, and I think I'm going off script on the questions it's I was supposed fine. to ask you, but um, like, especially as someone who's you're not coming in with all the sort of like, this is what your prayer life should baggage that some oh, yeah. of us are. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of us who have been part of other churches. And so we have a lot of shoulds around prayer. Like what are for you? Like, what are some of the tiny, you said you had some small mm -hmm. ways that you've cultivated. Mm -hmm. Like what are some of the little micro practices for you that you've tried to be intentional about? Um, I really like breath prayers. Mm. So I, we're, I'm just sort of breathing in and then breathing out with a particular word. Um, the two words right now that I pray the most are mercy and welcome. Mm. Um, so you're so, breathing in mercy mm -hmm. and breathing out welcome. Mm -hmm. And um, that a lot, I'll just, uh, like right waking up or uh, right when falling asleep, I'll just say Jesus's name to myself. Mm. That's nice. And if I have more time, I'm a I'm big into journaling, but I usually write it as a letter, like a prayer letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, like I when I'm writing, I usually relate to God sort of as a platonic lover uh -huh. that I'm writing to, like someone who really knows me and knows how it's all going. But I've just like it's like a good porch set. Yeah, where you just get to like. <laughs> Yeah, here it's I like am. This and it's oh, and I feel this way, and of course you know, and blah, whatever, and <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's delightful. So, would you say that? I mean, so a good porch sit, honesty is kind of a hallmark of that, right? There's no, there's yes. no point in showing up to that conversation and then holding back, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess this is one benefit of of not growing up so churched is i don't have this i don't have this conception of there's some other person that god wishes i was <laughs> there's another person i wish i was right <laughs> but you struggle with that yeah imposter. i struggle with that but i my experience is like that freak out is totally on my side mm -hmm. but you've you've heard other people who yeah. are more churched yeah enough to know that many of us yeah believe that god wants us to be someone else. some some kind of way that you're not mm -hmm. yeah 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 mm -hmm. that's that's never been my experience with god so so you don't have that internal sense of like, oh man, God might be disappointed if I tell him where I'm at or tell no, God where I'm no. at. No, no. The prayers are almost always uh, 
like help me get on the side of of you and your reality and like who I really am what my life is really like help me to like to be with what is happening so that I can respond in love and generosity mm -hmm. and not just keep fighting against how things are mm -hmm. and, so, and who I am so you come to God just looking for help yes kind of like I know oh there's God, something yes. in me that's like <laughs> not quite finding your flow yeah help me move into your flow where love mercy patience all the stuff yes yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And guilt, hiding, worry, fear, like that's just, that hasn't really been as much part of your experience. I mean, as I said, I still feel confused and embarrassed a lot of the time, but I, I, yeah, again, that's on my side, not on God's side. That's beautiful. Would, if you were talking with someone who's experienced more of that guilt, embarrassment, fear, I don't know is there anything you would want to like a friend who says hey i my picture of god like i i feel like god's gonna be really disappointed in me what would you want to tell them um ask god very directly about it yeah like just all of those feelings again you just take it all and it's like what with this right <laughs> yeah and and see what comes back it i Hey, I don't know what will happen. <laughs> but, but why not try? But like whenever I'm I in my most confused, that it's always like you just keep it, keep taking it back right to God and, yeah. and ask for help. I love it. Hey Emma, we have been um letting people ask us a question back, so it's not oh, so yeah, one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, you don't have to, but you're welcome if you um, have it. Not like I'm trying to get out of it, <laughs> you know, but what what do y'all do when because so there's times then when I take every you know you do that and and it doesn't always feel so clear and I feel really stuck mm -hmm. what do y'all do when you feel stuck in your connection with God so you and I have had some of these conversations I think thinking particularly around being like Enneagram ones which Word. I don't know if everybody's done the Enneagram thing. It's kind of like personality slash spirituality sort of profile. And an Enneagram one would be like a perfectionist. Um, and so I feel like I almost, yeah, and I feel like I come to God with stuff and feel like somehow I'm not getting it. I almost always feel like at some point, and the, the question is how long it's going to take, mm -hmm. like how long I'm going to be like in self-inflicted pain. Um, I feel like it almost always ends up coming back of like to being like a Brenna, you're being so hard on yourself right now. Like almost like until I get out of my own way, because I go into that should place on myself so quickly and so easily. Like it's like God just waiting, like Brenna, if you know, I mean, you have to stop talking, you have to stop shooting yourself like before I even have a chance to like come in with the graciousness. You know, like, I don't know, for me, like, that yeah. feels like it's, and yeah, the question is just how long it takes for me to, like, get out of my own way and hear God. Um, I, I think for me, I have a conversation. I'm an extrovert, so I talk it out. I either talk it out with my journals, and so I, I journal, and so I go back and I read my journals from, like, 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago, and so I sort of talk it out with myself and listen or I either talk with Katie or with my best friend and just mm -hmm. like, this sucks, God's not answering. You know, isn't God terrible? <laughs> and, and they're like, mm, keep talking, you're fine. And then I talk it out. Oh, that's interesting actually, because that's something that I learned from you. I don't have journals going 30 years back, but 
I've started when I will feel like I don't know what to do. I'll read back yeah, like right. a couple of years. And you it's and amazing yeah. how many times the same thing occurs to you over and over again. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> I felt like lame in the same way before.